Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain Westwire football podcast. Week 6 preview. Jeremy here, hang out with Matt. Uh, the website, if you're unfamiliar, mwwire.com. And, Matt, we're nearing the halfway point. What is going on here? How is this a thing already? <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. Heck yeah, this league is crazy. We have, what, six games this week? Power rankings? Uh, actually, just, just five, actually. Oh, my bad. I must have looked at five. Okay, even better. Maybe we'll still make the show an hour and a half. Probably not, but just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, five games, league play, getting after it. Our power rankings, oh, boy. See how much that changed? It kind of went everywhere. Not a surprise, though. <laughs> the biggest surprise, somebody pointed it out to me, Hawaii didn't move up a spot. They stayed the same. Hmm. That was interesting, I, even though they beat Fresno State last week. But if you looked at, I don't know if you looked. Did you? I didn't look at it either, but you might have. But the, you know, Bill C has the win. What the? Uh, what's it called after you after the game played? Like win probability. Uh, win expectancy. That's why I was gonna say win expectancy, but I wasn't sure. Pretty sure without looking, Fresno State's win expectancy still would have been pretty high after that game. Kind of how it turned out. I mean, aside from the turnovers, probably. That's know? what I mean. Some were unlucky, like tips and stuff. Yeah, but we're not talking about last week. We're talking about this week. We have a game. We'll start chronological like usual. ABC, Boise State at BYU, number 10 BYU, who um, it's a currently a six-point favorite for the Cougars, which did you see when it opened at minus one? I did. Like Circa is like, I'm like what are you guys doing? That, that did not last very long. They replied to my mentions, I think, either the site one or my own. I'm like, yeah, that changed in half an hour. Went to minus four like instantly, which – Makes a lot of sense, even though we don't know who BYU's quarterback is going to be. Um, basically, it's going to be the Tyler Algier show for BYU. <laughs> That's going to be the issue for Boise State. So let's start there. Boise State doesn't have a great running game. The rushing defense has gotten better, Matt, but still not great. Does it even matter who's a quarterback for BYU? I mean, maybe a little bit. Because, I mean, some of them are better at throwing the ball than others, are they not? Or some of them add different dimensions to the offense that others may not necessarily, right? Because, like, you know, Jaron Hall is more of a runner than Baylor Romney is, right? True. Jacob Conover is like Jaron Hall, but he's also younger and barely, barely played. 
Mm-hmm. And then they bring in Samaj P. Ryan. I'm like, he or not? That's oh shoot, what's his name? That's not his name, is it? Shoot, um, crap. I have to find his name. They have a fourth guy, the coach Aaron Roderick, the OC. Is like, well, maybe we'll play four four guys. I need to look up his name now. Come I think, on, I think it's correct. I should know this. Hold on, but he's not playing four quarterbacks, right? That's not going to happen. No, he's not going to play four quarterbacks. Or or no, not play four, but the fourth quarterback's not going to play. No, it is yet. Yeah, it's um, Sol. Sorry, I'm thinking somebody else. It's Sol J. Peters. I think that's what his name is. I was thinking somebody else. But like he's not going to play. Like mm-hmm. he barely played last year. He's like a, I think he's technically a freshman, but he's not going to play. So I don't know why they're bringing that garbage up. Jaron Hall, who was on the radio show I work on, he joined us every week. He was pretty coy again about if he's practicing or not this week, or not practicing, but if he's mm-hmm. going to play. He's like, ah, oh, we, it's day to day. This because he's like he initially said his wind, the wind got knocked out, knocked out of him, and but he missed the Utah State game. That's more than that. He missed mm-hmm. last week or South Florida game and Utah State. He's, I don't know how he seems. He's talking normal. There's no, there's no visible injury when I see him, nothing in a sling or anything like that. But he said he's practicing a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if he does play. But I think if it's Baylor Romney or Jaron Hall, I don't think it matters. If it gets to their third quarterback, that's where it might be a chance for Boise State to make more of a game of this or maybe even win. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really going to come down to how much of an impact their defensive line can make because – BYU is definitely in, uh, I would say, maybe the more explosive offense overall, just because it's it's more balanced overall. They're able to hit opponents in different in, in more different ways than Boise State's been able to uh, kind of demonstrate themselves. But you know, we know that like the the, the playmakers up front, like your your Shane Irwin's, your Scott your Scott Matlock's, and them, like even despite the injuries and even despite some of the the inconsistencies, you know, they're still through, what, four or five games, there's still a top 40 defense in terms of stuff rate, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're still right around the middle of the pack in, in line yards average, uh, per carry allowed. You know, they're right around the national average in, um, you know, in sack. Actually, they're a top 25 in sack rate. Excuse me. So, I mean, I think if they can get after the quarterback consistently, if they can just get in the backfield consistently and stop Algier, because I think if, if, you're, if what you're saying is, is that BYU is probably going to be more inclined to protect their quarterback and lean on their running game. You know, there's a, there's, there's a game plan or there's, there's a 60 minutes where, where Boise state is able to, you know, answer the bell on that. You know, it's not like they're in, in a, it's not like they're ineffective up front. I think the big question for them is just, you know, how can disruptive can they be to force BYU into, into less favorable situations? Cause I think if they can do that, you know, then you're talking about, you know, the, the path I think that is most likely to lead to an upset. But if they can't, like if they let Algier run wild in the same way that, you know, Utah State did, or, you know, at times last week, then it could just be another really frustrating game. Totally. Like what did, um, I'm try- I should have looked it up now, but Boise right now, they're giving up 4.47 yards per play. They Calvin Tyler, what did he have last week? Because I'm looking at their total numbers. They wasn't good. Or... He, only, he only had like 12, he only had like 12 yards. Yeah, I get to BYU. Oh, sorry, like that, Boy, that entire back, Aggies sorry. running game basically got yeah. shut down. So I was looking, I, sorry, I got to get mixed up because Boise State played BYU and Utah State all played each other. I was looking at, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here. But now that I have it open, I might as well look at it. Utah State ran a ton against Boise State with Cal- mm-hmm. Calvin Tyler, 235 yards per game. But then when you look at what like Utah State did against BYU, he barely, he did, Calvin Tyler didn't run very well. Mm-hmm. And so, and then Boise kind of goes back around. We'll get back to the rushing game. I just jumped out inadvertently. Like, George Fawney's not completely healthy. 
and do you trust Andrew Van Buren to run? And so it's like it's going to be both sides. Can Boise run and stop the run? They clearly can't. Yeah, I mean, run if they, if they well. can be functional, if they can be functional like they were last week, then I think that's something that can give them a fighting chance. But you know, I, I think what you don't necessarily want is to fall into a situation where Hank Bachmeyer has to try and win the game by himself and take five shots or ten shots, getting running around scrambling, trying to chuck it to Kilo Shakir every time. Yeah, because you know I think it's it's you know well known by this point that you know the the Broncos offensive line struggles mightily, but I think it's it's maybe obvious, but you know yeah. worth pointing out that a lot of those struggles are, are more when it comes to the run than against the pass. Like Bachmeyer takes hits, but I you know they're they're below average rather than abysmal in terms of like overall sack rate, for instance. Like they they have a six point nine percent sack rate allowed, which is eighty fourth nationally. Like not great but not terrible. And against a Cougars front that is really only okay at generating a pass rush, you know, their own defensive sack rate is just 6.4%. That's 69th nationally. So right around the national average, you know, if they can give Bachmeyer time, like, you know, we saw last week against Nevada and, and I think we have plenty of evidence to say, like if they give him time, he can do damage. The problem has just been, you know, he's not always getting the time that he needs. Yeah, like the OC Tim Paul's like, we're not making any excuses. We're going to do this. Our depth is our number one issue. I'm not clear what starting offensive line will be available, but it's that's probably the biggest key. One of the biggest things of the game is Bachmeyer can throw for however 300 plus yards like last week versus Utah State, where he, or not Utah State. Um, yeah, was that the last game? No, Nevada. Sorry. When he lost Nevada, like he, how Bachmeyer threw it. Percentage-wise, numbers-wise, looked well, but he's got six sacks. I don't know how many times he has hurried, but probably mm-hmm. at least three, probably ten total when he clears those sacks. He can take it, but that's only sustainable for so long. You want Jack Sears out there to play? It's like, no, there's a reason Bachmeyer is the only the quarterback right now, and Sears hasn't seen the field in, what, since game one or something? So mm-hmm. that's going to be, and Helani's not healthy. I don't trust a running game, and so it's going to Well, get- And here's, here's the other thing, too, is that, you know, both teams, I think, and especially for Boise State before last week, you know, both teams had really benefited from from advantageous field position advantages from week to week. You know, um, Parker Fleming uh, at Statso War on Twitter, you know, he, you know, the Broncos are still a top thirty, basically top thirty-five in terms of uh, you know field position on offense. Yeah. But you know, against the BYU defense, like they they bring. Uh, you know, sixth nationally in terms of where their opponents are starting on average. Like on a, on average, they're starting within the 25 yard line at, at the 23.8. And so, you know, to your point about like they have to find more than just one answer, more than just Bachmeyer. You know, you look at Boise State's points per drive production, for instance, and you see that it's you know it's it's above average. Like it's not bad, um, or rather their uh, yards per play. Excuse me. But you know, one thing that jumps out to you is the fact that they've been able to you know, take advantage of like favorable field position that's been given to them. But when you start sorting by like, you know, what they've done on short drives versus what they do on medium length drives versus what they do on long drives, that points per drive average drops significantly to the point where you know when they start inside their own 20 yard line, the Broncos are only averaging 0.54 points per drive. That's 110th nationally, and I guess a, a BYU defense that yeah, I don't know if I'd go out of my way to call them elite, but they are pretty good across the board. You know, they're, they're good enough to make Bachmeyer's life miserable if he doesn't have a running game that can help him out every once in a while. Yeah, so like, what does Boise State do better than BYU? I don't know. 
like in this game. They don't run the ball better. They. I mean, if if, if Bachmeyer gets time, I think they throw the ball better. I think they could. Depends who's a quarterback for BYU. Mm. But I, I I could say overall throwing. That's a. It's an edge, but I don't think it's huge. Like say Jaron mm-hmm. Hall plays, he's a fine above average quarterback, but I would say they're almost even with his running ability a little bit because I remember when he played against Utah, he had huge rushing numbers, and that's a pretty good defense. Mm-hmm. Different type, but maybe like that. I'm like shrugging my shoulders, possibly. But then again, it comes back to the line, and if you can't run the ball very well, BYU's just going to blitz every time, or you know what I mean, or put a particular coverage where I think they'd rather. If you're going up against his Hank Bachmeyer, you'd rather go after him than give him, then say drop eight, and let him find somebody eventually get open. I think they'd rather blitz seven and and risk man coverage, and hopefully that works out for the defense to get to the quarterback. I think that's the way. Although, play it. like honestly, I think I would if I were Boise State, if I were if I were Avalos and, and Tim Plow, I would probably follow the same kind of game plan that Nevada followed against them last week, and I'd come out and I'd say, you know, you know, start, you know put the game in Bachmeyer's hands early. And see whether or not the Cougars can stop him, because, like I said, if he gets time, he's definitely one of the better quarterbacks that the Cougars have faced this year. And if there's you know any weakness, I guess I would say, it's I mean it's probably in the BYU secondary, isn't it? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, for sure. That could be that could be there. Yeah. And I think especially if they fall into situations where it's like third and mid and third and long. You know, that isn't something that BYU's necessarily been that good at defending against either. Like, Boise State's a top 50 offense in terms of converting, you know, um, you know third downs and fourth downs and moving the chains. BYU's only 99th, though. They're allowing a, a 47.2% success rate in those situations. And so that's worth keeping an eye on, too. I think if they choose to put the game in Bachmeyer's hands, and even if they fall behind schedule, he gives them a better chance of making up that ground than, you know, trying to stay balanced or feigning toward a running game early. I think, I don't know if they necessarily want to just pull their punches and just go right at them with what they do best. Yeah, I, this game, like, there's a reason it's only a five or six point line right now. Like, BYU, mm-hmm. good defense, good, the quarterback thing, whatever. But I just, I think that's too low. Because what, if you're looking at this game, everything you've mentioned, I mentioned the secondary, the quarterback, running game line, all that type of stuff. What makes you think, BYU shouldn't be like a ten point favorite in this game. Like I don't see a path where BYU or Boise State can realistically win this game unless miraculously their running game somebody comes out and gets at least twenty for ninety yards. I don't, I don't think they have a player that can do that. If the defensive line plays up, especially if they can bottle Algier, I don't think they can. That that to me is part. That's priority number one. Priority number two is you know get the ball in Bachmeyer's hands, make it, let him make plays. Mm-hmm. You know, because we saw last week, you know, obviously Kalosh Shakir is like still the guy, but it seems like they have another potential the guy on their hands in Stephen Cobbs. Like we've seen enough from him in the last two or three weeks to say like, okay, that's the next big Boise State receiver right there. You know, that, you know, extra weapon is something that, you know, could come in handy. You know, and, and I think, you know, we, we haven't really talked about kind of the big obvious mistakes as far as like, you know, center quarterback exchanges and things like that. But Minus if they can avoid that just for one week or at least cut down, might be three points you know, there. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be the difference between a scoring drive and a non-scoring drive, or at least, you know, turning a field position game in, in their favor rather than playing on their back heel and letting BYU kind of set the tone offensively. So, so basically what you're saying, Boise State needs to throw like 55 times to have a chance to win this game. 
I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked. That's my how they should do it because, like, look at the running backs. Like Calvin Tyler was shut down versus BYU. He had 126 yards versus Boise State. Like Boise State's rush defense, Jalen Warren had 270 yards and like 200 in the first half. They sort of fixed it, but I, I'm not seeing it for Boise State this game. So you're saying you don't necessarily see why Vegas sees it that way? It's very interesting to me that a lot of the advanced measures do see the game being very close to what Vegas foresees. Like FEI, for instance, they project BYU to win, but by just 5.3. Yeah, but um, I've seen both these teams play. Nothing. Boise State's not a good football team. I'm sorry. They're not a good football team. Their offensive line is a piece of trash. They can't stop the running game. They can't run the ball themselves. They make too many mistakes. I don't care if your third-string offensive lineman centers out there. They make too many errors, and they're like again. I go back to UCF game. Yeah, they're winning. It was a miraculous they were winning. They didn't look like they had the same athletes Central Florida had, and I don't think this game's going to be close. Unless, mm-hmm. the, only, the only caveat is if they have to go to the third street. Jacob Conover starts and plays the whole game for BYU. Even then, they can just hand off to Tyler Algier for twenty for like one seventy five. Hmm. So I, that, it's interesting. I'm, I'm just like I'm looking. I'm looking at the advanced projections, and they're all basically the same. That's they fine. all call for BYU to win the game, yeah, but maybe not by as much as you might think, because you know we, we just mentioned FBI favoring them, the Cougars by five point three. I don't care. S, SP plus favors them by five point five, sixty three percent win probability. Uh, and and I have one more for you, you now. <laughs> Courtesy of Parker Fleming, who I mentioned a few minutes ah, ago. Parker. At, at Stats of War, you can go find him on Twitter. I would say go support his work as well. Yes. Um, give him a few bucks if you're so inclined. But he projects Boise State to, or not Boise State, he projects BYU to win the game, 65% win probability, roughly a, a, a five and a half point margin, 39 to 33.5. Do you agree with that? That should be this close, a one possession game? I disagree with your assessment that Boise State is a bad team. I don't think they're a bad team. I think they're a frustrating team. Because there are very clearly things that they do well. Yeah. I just don't know. I just don't know how well it's gonna, you know, serve them over the course of sixty minutes against this BYU team. So I think that the Broncos can cover. Because you said it was what? A six point line? Currently six. I think it'll be a one score game. I just don't know if I trust the you know I, I talk about the two priorities as far as like leaning on Bachmeyer and leaning on the defensive line. I just don't know if they could do it over the course of sixty minutes, and this seems like the kind of game that's going to come down to a handful of big plays. I kind of think BYU is is more likely to create those big plays, so I think I'm I, I have the Cougars winning. I'm going to say thirty-four to thirty. Man, this. And this isn't hyperbole, but I honestly think this might be closer to last year's score than what you're saying. Okay. Because last year, I know there's Boise was down to whoever their quarterback was. They had special teams issues. Because last year, it was – let me pull up the score here. It's not going to be 51-17 to 17 bad, but honestly, I think it's going to be – I'm going to go 40-24 to 24 for BYU. Oof. I, I don't see how that's unrealistic. Bad, bad times on the blue, I guess. I'm just saying, like, I don't see how this is a one-score game. Nothing makes me feel confident Boise's going to win. If they're going to win, it's because right. BYU does wrong, or they can't play, they have to play the number three quarterback. Because Boise's rush defense has gotten better. Like, the second half for Oklahoma State was pretty good, but that's not enough for me to say they're going to win the game. Okay. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, next up, we have a uh, two teams, Matt, I'm not sure what to make of. CSU versus San Jose State at Canvas Stadium. 12.30 Pacific, 1.30 local, FS1. Rams are a two-and-a-half-point favorite, which, sure. <laughs> Over-unders <laughs> only 45? Holy mackerel. Um, I, I mean, are you surprised by that over-under? No, I'm surprised Rams are favored. Well, I mean, they're basically they're basically not even getting home field advantage. Still, I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> what we know um, about this, like the Rams, they've been playing better, clearly, because they hung with Iowa a couple weeks ago. They beat Toledo somehow, who almost beat Notre Dame. So the Rams have figured a few things out defensively. I think what we want to see, at least from – also, we should note, I don't have the names, but multiple players have transferred from Colorado State in the past little bit. <laughs> Just because uh, Ellison Hubbard and Marcus McElroy are the two that immediately come to okay. mind. Because he's a running back, so but he, he didn't play last week, last game either. So that may have already mm-hmm. been in the works. Because like, hey, he had zero carries this week. Um, so, oh man, this game. It's are, are you excited for this one? I don't know. This one seems like eh, maybe we'll see. I'm not feeling this game. Tell me why I should feel this game, Matt. What's the what should get people excited about it? Is this finally the week where the Rams have the best unit on the field? Which unit? Defense. The defense. Can we? Can we okay, so let's let's talk about the defense. The Spartans' for a bit defense because, is pretty good. Because you know, I, I may I may have mentioned it in passing during the during the recap last week or, or a couple weeks ago, but they're start, they're starting to look a little bit like the team that I expected they would in the preseason, mm-hmm. where they're just like they're they're miserable to play against, sort of miserable to watch. But like that defense is going to drag them to you know a number of wins that maybe maybe they earn them and maybe they don't, but they're going to win some of those games, right? And so the defense, like no matter how you slice it, has been one of the best in the country over the last couple of weeks. And you know just in terms of like potential mismatches in this game, you know you look at the fact that San Jose State had you know they they had maybe their best overall offensive performance last week against. New Mexico State, you know, so for at least one week, the Spartans found, you know, uh, you know an answer at quarterback. You know, Nick Nash took over, and he's actually listed atop the depth chart, even though his name is still attached with an or to Nick Starkle. <laughs> so, I mean, they generated big plays, you know, all that. But then you then you start digging deeper, and you look, okay, well, what is that offense going to look like against this defense? And you look at the fact that, for instance, in terms of, like, ex- expected points added per rush, Spartans are dead last in the country. Ooh. Colorado State's a top twenty defense. They've been much better uh, the past by that metric. Yeah. They're also they've also been a top twenty defense uh, in terms of expected points added per pass attempt against them. Um, you know, just in terms of overall defensive success rate, which is just you know when when you're in any given situation, you know you expect to get a certain amount of um, you know like were you successful on a play? Like if you needed five yards, did you get six yards or something like that? Um, Colorado State's number two in the country by that metric. 
Uh, offensively, San Jose State is 129th. <laughs> so you so you start looking at this defense, and like we we talked we talked about them more in terms of like individual performance. You know, I think I've mentioned Scott Patchen nearly every single week as being like a guy who's really stood out. But then you start looking at those advanced numbers, you start, and even if, you know, look at the, the numbers that are a little more straightforward, for instance, like, you know, team sack rate, they're in the top 40 in terms of stuff rate generated. So, like, how often are they getting into the backfield? Um, you know, they're seventh nationally on defense, 26.7%. They're in the top 10 in terms of line yards per carry allowed, top 15 in opportunity rate. So, like, they're getting it done no matter the situation, you know, more and more by the week, it would seem. And that makes for a very bad matchup against a San Jose State team that has really struggled in by pretty much all those same measures. Like they're below average, you know, in terms of you know all those numbers I just mentioned, liners per carry, opportunity yeah. rate, stack rate, and things like that, uh, stuff rate. All, and so, you know, you see like, yeah, San Jose State had a great game last week against one of the worst teams in the country. Now they've got to try and do it against against one of the best defenses anywhere all of a sudden. And it starts to look a lot. It's like the path to a victory for them starts to to look a lot uh, harder to see. You know, they're you know the Rams are you know top ten in terms of available yards per drive allowed, but you know available yards percentage per drive. Uh, you know, they're top ten in terms of you know defensive points per carry or defensive points per drive. Excuse me. Um, so like no matter how you slice it, you know this San Jose State offense against this Colorado State defense just looks like a mismatch everywhere. And maybe they defy that if Nash comes out and gets the other gets another start and is able to mesh, you know, able to, you know, beat the the, the Rams defense with big plays especially. But if they can't, then this game could get ugly really quickly. It could. It because I was looking through Trent while you're talking, like Nick Starkle and Nick Nash, it's obviously Coach Brennan didn't give any update because coaches, you know, don't because they don't have to. Uh-huh. So they're, they are two different type of offenses. That could be a little bit of a, a thing for CSU. It could be more tricky because we know Starkle or throws more. Nash is – he's remember, he played wide receiver for, for what, two games ago? He's a mobile guy. He'd come in and run the ball a little bit. He would take those wildcat type snaps and just kind of run. So I wonder if that might be whether he plays the whole time, whether he, they split time. That could be something that could be just enough of a disruption against the Rams defense for, for how good <clears> it is. To maybe allow the Ram or not the Rams, allow the Spartans have a big play. They like go down here to Derek Deese or something. Or Tyler Nevins has a big game running the running the ball, which is what they'll need. So I wonder if that could be an option where the Rams have to prepare a bit more than they probably want to when they're looking mm-hmm. at two quarterbacks. So I think that is an area where if it's Nick if it's Nick Nash game, maybe it's still I could still see that being a thing where he's gonna more RPOs, more takeoff run himself compared to Stark was just gonna sit back there and throw. So I think that's the one yeah. area where it's different enough where maybe the Rams defense, not that they're confused, but it's just, oh, this guy's in there, this guy, what are they doing? It's just a lot different. It's not a – you can't stick with your set game plan when you know it's Stark or know it's Nash. So I think yeah. maybe even Nick Nash playing might be the best idea, especially if Stark was not ready to go with the, whatever his left shoulder injury was. Because I think that's an area where if – if they're not that, excuse me, um, Tyler Nevins runs well, and then you have Nash who can run as well. I think that could be a, that might be enough to get this offense going because it's been bad all year. Spartans' offense has been dreadful. They haven't scored many points. They outside of Southern Utah, they're not scoring anything. They did get the win last week, but last week is a weird result because they gave up 31 points to a bad New Mexico State team, but they put up 37 season high versus an FBS team. 
And so that's <clears throat> that, yeah, hard I mean, to take you, much you, from last week's game. That's what I'm saying. When it's a bad New Mexico State team, it's hard to do that. Yeah, I mean, if if you're the Spartans, the, the really the only saving grace is the fact that you know we, we just went on a huge diatribe about how the Spartans' offense has not been good. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the Rams' offense has been maybe even worse than that. Um, wait, wait, hold on. It, Tell me, granted, Todd Centennial is not a good quarterback. He's, I mean, he's. He plays quarterback. He doesn't make he okay, so he doesn't make a ton of obvious mistakes. Like obviously the the interception that he threw against Iowa was was a real killer. Mm-hmm. But you know, from week to week, he's been, you know, he, like he's not a backbreaker, but he's also he also just hasn't been a game changer just yet. And so, you know, you look at a, at a Spartans defense where, you know, we just talked about all those numbers, you know, a minute ago regarding the Rams defense. It's not like the Spartans have had that much of a drop-off on that side of the ball. Like, they're still, you know, a top 50 unit in terms of points per drive allowed. You know, they're, you know, top 40, I think, by, you know, uh, available yards allowed per drive. But the problem is, like, Colorado State, you know, may not be in a position where they could take advantage of that. Because you know, we've seen what the offense, we saw what the offense looked like, like without Dante Wright, and they were also without David Bailey. Mm-hmm. So, I haven't seen anything regarding either of the statuses for this game. I would imagine that if they're healthy, you know, then that's going to give them an element of stretching the field that you know maybe they could take advantage of it. But you know that runs into the issue of, of, of like we just mentioned, San Jose State's not any slouch. You know, they finally got their first interception of the of the year last week against the Aggies. But they're still number one in the conference in terms of, you know, passes defended per game. So they still know how to get their hands on the football. And so, you know, even with Wright and, and Trey McBride, you know, this San Jose State defense, like even if they don't get con- pressure as consistently on Sateo as, as maybe you would have hoped they would coming into the season, I just don't know that we've seen enough from the Rams offense, especially with their passing game, for them to, to be able to take advantage of it. So I think, you know, like you said, if, if Santeo is going to take a step forward, now might be the best time to start showing it. Totally. And also one thing to note, the, um, in the Iowa game, you had um, David Bailey got hurt in that game. So is he going to be able to play? His status yeah. is, uh, that's also concerned. Like you said, Dante Wright. Um, if Adrian Vivens, who's okay, back up. But, like, we don't know these injuries, updates that aren't really given out. So the Rams have been playing better, clearly. But – it's going to be, like you said, the best unit is going to be the Rams' defense. So you have that. So what's going to give or the give or break here? Like you have, like I said, we're not sure the quarterback. There's a lot of unknowns in this game, so that's why we're kind of going back and forth here. We're not entirely sure about quarterback for San Jose State. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, for, I think, yeah, offense. I, I guess, State. like, I think that San Jose State is a little more likely to find answers against this Rams' defense. But I also don't know... Like I, I, but I also I, I would say by contrast, like I don't know if Colorado State's going to be able to take advantage of a of a, of a Spartans defense that isn't still solid across the board. I would I agree. With you. I would still that make that probably the biggest difference here because the Rams defense has been shown to be bad this year too. South Dakota State the opener, Vanderbilt, even without the Spartans offense has been hit or miss. They've been moving the ball but not getting points for the most part. Mm-hmm. And so. What if the like what if the bad Rams often what if the Rams defense that played versus the Jackrabbit shows up? They're not winning this game. But if it shows up versus Iowa, well yeah, they have a chance to win. That's gonna be a concern about what Rams defense actually shows up and plays. That I think that mm-hmm. might actually be the biggest key because they've been able to been had against other teams. Whereas Spartans defense yeah. outside of the San Jose State game 
and USC game, but USC for three quarters it was close, and so that's I think that's probably going to be the difference. And I don't know if it matters too much for me who's at quarterback for San Jose State. It matters more for the Rams to have say uh, Dante right back than it does Spartans to play Starkle or Nash. I think that's a bigger piece missing mm-hmm. for them. And also, if if running the game's injury, if he's not able to play for the CSU, it's a problem as well. Yeah. So what do the advance numbers say in this one? Uh, surprisingly, they're split. Ooh. A little bit of difference. Uh, FEI favors the Rams by 7.8. Uh, SP Plus, however, favors Seven. San Jose State by 1.1. That's a 53% win <laughs> probability. And, and our guy Parker Fleming at Stats of War favors the Rams by, you know, 69% win probability. Very, very nice, uh, roughly seven-point projected victory for the Rams. What do you say? Ah, oh, man, I think this is going to be a rock fight. <laughs> so you're taking the under at 45? <laughs> I'm taking the under at 45, and I'm taking the Rams to win a very ugly game. I'm going to say 14 to 10. 14. 14 to 10. Really? That's what we're going with? Yeah. Um, I think San Jose State's going to get it done. I'm kind of with you. I think it'd be a touch more scoring. I'm going to go 23-13 San Jose State. All right, then. Just a little bit more. All right. This might be... No, this is the game of the weekend. I'm going to say it. Is it okay if I declare that without input by anybody? I'll allow it. <laughs> Good. Wyoming at Air Force. Five local time. CBS Sports Network, Air Force is a five-point favorite. 46.5 is an interesting over-under. I know I asked you this before. Is there a trophy in this game? Because I should know these trophies by now. Uh, for this rivalry, or, or or not rivalry, depending on whether you ask, Troy Calhoun, um, <laughs> I don't believe that there is, no. Nothing for the front range or something, whatever you want to call it? Because they're not very far apart. They're like within 90 minutes of each other, I believe, driving. Yeah, not, or at least nothing I'm aware of. Okay. That's fine. Um, sorry, my computer's going crazy here. Oh, okay. There we go. I'm back. <laughs> my everything froze. I'm like, don't stop recording. Keep going. All right. So, like I said, CBS Sports Network. So, I'm wondering about Air Force because that Utah State game's still kind of weird if we think about it, just because they give up so many points. And then you have Wyoming, who is four and zero, which is good. But they haven't really been all that great because, remember, they barely beat UConn. They needed to escape versus Northern Illinois, who's not really good this year. They did beat a decent Ball State team convincingly, but they almost lost to Montana State. So, like, It's definitely been a strange year. There's a reason the Cowboys are, like, still fourth in their power pool by still being undefeated, one one of two teams in the conference. Mm -hmm. What makes, for you in this game, like – what what makes you think Air Force? Why is Air Force favored? Is it because they're Brad Roberts? They put, they're actually being a more traditional running game and like not passing eighty percent or twenty percent of the time. They're passing maybe three times a game and they're going for like fifty five yards on two completions. Well, I mean, I think the reason the Falcons are favored is that you know other than the the defensive aberration against the Aggies, they've otherwise looked that they're firing on all cylinders. And so you know, depend. It doesn't really matter what you look at. Like, you know, if you want to just look at, you know, yards per play, uh, if you want to look at some more advanced measures, you know, Air Force is like they've got it going on on both sides of the ball. Like, you know, they're averaging over six yards of play on offense. You know, they're what a, a, like a top 
what are they in terms of, oh, I had to like scroll, I had to keep scrolling up. Like in terms of like net points per drive, for example, you know, they're sixth nationally. They're they're wedged right there between an undefeated Wake Forest and, and, and Ohio State. And it's not, you know, they're not, they're not really slouches on either side of the ball either. Like they're ninth on offense in terms yeah. of points per drive. And they're they're 35th on on defense. And if you want to look at available yards percentage, if you want to look at yards per play, you know it doesn't really matter how you slice it. Like they've been good at everything. everything. The the thing the thing about this game, however, is that you know with a couple of notable exceptions, when you look at how what Wyoming's been able to do, they're they've been they've been pretty good at a lot of things too. Like such a defense, obviously, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I mean, even on offense, like it's not like they've been getting blown out of games. It just hasn't always kind of worked out. Like you know, we just mentioned, like in terms of total offense, Wyoming is still averaging basically five and a half yards per play. That's not bad. For them, it's pretty <laughs> you know? good, right? It, it's, good. it's right in line with what they were doing last year, and it's right in line with what they did two years ago. Um, you know, so... It's sort of it's Wyoming's been sort of a like where where like the metrics don't always align with what the performance actually looks like on the field, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you know there are some differences which could pl- play a big difference in this game. So like for example, do you realize that Wyoming is only running the ball on early downs, you know, sixty four percent of the time? I did not know. You figure it typically would be higher, but with their new OC and everything, they want to pass more, so that kind of makes sense that they're leaning toward a little bit less of running. So they're throwing the ball a lot more often on early downs than you would expect. And it, it's sort of like an open debate, I guess you could say, as to how well it's been working for them. Like, Chambers has been solid. You know, we haven't really talked much about him, mostly because, like, he's been – sort of there he's like yeah. you know but it doesn't really matter how you slice it like he's you know he's got a completion rate that's i think a career high um you know 50 percent. you know he's completing uh you know 7.7 yards per attempt you know five touchdowns three interceptions so like he's he's making plays like he's been a, a major contributor but it just it's again it, it's just you know how how is that going to translate against an air force defense that other than the utah state game has been on fire like we talked about it a minute ago with like Colorado State and defensive success rate. The Rams were second, I think I said, right? Yes. The Falcons are third. Hmm. And so, you know, I look at this game and I think, okay, well, if, if Wyoming has been better than like, you know, just looking at final scores of games would indicate on offense, then I think there's a couple of things that they're going to have to do in order to pull this game off. One is you know, they've got to prove that they can string together long drives because if there's one thing in this game that could potentially work against them, it's the fact that, you know, Air Force on the one hand, it would, in terms of like points per drive on long drives, so like pinned inside their own 20-yard line, the Falcons are number one nationally. You know, them in Alabama, best offenses in the country when you have them backed yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the kind of company you want to keep. By contrast, you know, Wyoming overall – in terms of offensive points per drive, 15th nationally, right? You know, in terms of net points per drive, you know, they're in your know, they're a top 30, you know, team. Uh, long drives though, zero. Hmm, zero. Okay. So basically, every time every time they've been pinned back inside their 20, 
they they haven't been able to do anything with it. And and so I think you know if this becomes a field position game where you know if, if we think that the Wyoming defense is going to be up to the task of slowing down this triple option, which you know we'll we'll talk more about that in a minute. You know, there's a lot of indication to think that they should be able to hold up and and, and disrupt more than than more of uh, Air Force's recent op, uh, deep, uh, opponents have. Then it's going to be incumbent on Chambers and, and Xavier Dalladay and the rest of that offense to do the thing that you know quite literally they have not been able to do so far this year, which is string together long drives, because you know on medium drives, on short drives, top 20 offense. But they just need to do it, you know, if they if they find themselves in situations where they're going to need one or two more first downs in order to find their way into the end zone. It should be sort of known. There is a potential. You know, Eric Troy Calhoun's not a fan of uh, updating his depth chart. Yeah. There is a possibility Falcons might be down a handful of defenders this weekend. Okay. So I don't know if that changes your mind about either way, but that's just um, – potentially could be an issue with this team lining up against Xavier and Valaday and Sean Chambers. So that's something to consider. Nothing official because depth chart never changes. That's a real possibility that they might be down a couple guys. But then again, remember how many guys have come back anyways from who didn't play last year. Their defense is pretty mm-hmm. deep, but that's something to consider. If they're not at full strength, well, I mean, like I said, they put up 50 points versus NIU. They're scoring lots of points this year. And so an Air Force's mm-hmm. defense gave up 49 versus Utah State. But let's look at the Air Force offense. This is when you look at their offense, it's more of a what Army and Navy typically do. They're barely throwing the ball. I think part of it was we in the preseason we we're discussing who's that deep threat. Is it their tight end? Is it this receiver? Is it that guy? They don't really they do they do have that now a little bit, but they're not throwing, say, six of ten for hundred and thirty yards. They're going like two of three for like fifty eight yards or something. They're passing like that. So that might be even though Wyoming we like Wyoming's defense, it's a good defense. I think that deep threat, they might want to throw a touch more just to mix it up just enough because what if the Wyoming defense shutters this um, Falcons offense on the ground and they have to throw a lot? Like, has he, has he, ah, has he, has he, Daniels, if I could speak tonight, geez, oh boy. Only completing 45% of his passes, 15 to 33, but he's averaging over almost 11 and a half yards per throw. And the guys who are catching the ball, they're getting downfield pretty pretty good. Like basically, Micah Davis is their main threat. Every player is averaging eighteen yards or more per catch. So everything, mm-hmm. every completion's big. It's twenty five yards a, a catch. So I think they might want to throw a touch more, not a lot, but just maybe get seven attempts out there. And if he hits on four of those, it's probably going for almost two hundred. Oh, not two hundred, but at least a hundred yards. And that might be an area where they may want to do it, despite how well Brad Roberts is running the ball. I'm gonna say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I, I know, I'm just and I'll, tell, and I'll and I'll tell you why. Okay. I mean, not only in terms of not only in terms of like you know, the Air Force has definitely hit their stride as far as just you know running the ball. Um, you know, like they're they're averaging five and a half yards per carry. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the best figure anywhere in the conference. But it also bodes well against you know, like I, I mentioned, there's a couple of potential hindrances for the Cowboys in winning this game. One of them is their ability to stop the run, because in terms of defensive success rate against the run, they're 115th nationally. So as as good as they have been at rushing the passer, creating a pass rush, you know they're top 20 in that regard, but they're below average when it comes to you know being disruptive and defending the run. You know we talk about stuff rate, 
Wyoming's 107th nationally so far in that regard, 14.7. You know, they're below average in power success rate. So like they've been pushed back on short yardage situations more often than not. You know, they're right around the national average and opportunity rate. And so I look at this Air Force offense and I see that, you know, other than sack rate allowed, like this is, I mean, they aren't elite in the same way that they were last year, but it's still basically a top 20, top 25 lots of offensive line by all of those same numbers, stuff rate, power success rate, opportunity rate, all those things. Oh, I, I get it. So, so, you know, lean on Roberts, lean on Daniels on the ground until Wyoming proves that they can, you know, force you into situations that you don't want to be in. But, but like you said, if they can, that's where the danger zone lies. Because like I said, Wyoming's been a lot better about generating a pass rush. Like they're a top 20 defense in terms of like, you know, sack rate generated as a team, as a defense. And Air Force has been one of the worst units in the country, you know, 117th nationally. So I say if Air Force is going to win this game, they're just going to do exactly what they did in the last few weeks, which is just they're going to run the ball until somebody proves that they can't stop them. Or that they can't stop them, rather. But I think if if Wyoming can do that, that's one of those big things where, like you mentioned, Hazik Daniels has you know hasn't been quite 50-50 on those 50-50 D shots. You between that, between you know the pass protection issues, if Wyoming can pull those things off, that's your path to victory right there. Yeah. So what are the advanced number six? I think this will be a very very good game this weekend. Oh yeah. Um, so FEI likes the Falcons. They favor Air Force by 11.2 points. Uh, SP plus, let's see if I can find it on here. Uh, they also favor the Falcons, not by quite as much though, by just 4.2, which is a 60% win probability. And Parker Fleming also favors the Falcons roughly 80-20. Our staff of... So uh, about an 11 point uh, projected margin of victory for looks, the Falcons. Looks like as of right now, about a dozen of our staff just about in here, maybe 10. Three of them are going well, I mean straight up. It's... Is the winner of this going to the title game, you think? Are they going to win the Mountain Division, whoever wins this game? Or is it too early to tell for you? It's too early to tell. But I think, you know, considering Air Force has already lost a conference game, this is a must-win I guess them. so, yeah, for that. But And I think it's equally important for Wyoming just because this is their first conference game. Mm-hmm. So if they, can, if they can get out early and have a win on a primary – and basically knock out a primary rival, barring a lot of crazy unforeseen circumstances, which – given the way the season has gone so far, you can't totally eliminate that possibility. But like if they come out and they start one and in conference play and Boise state's looking up at them, the Falcons are looking up at them, you know, maybe Colorado state's looking up at them. If San Jose state can do the job, you know, this is a really important game for both sides. So like you said, game of the weekend right here. I'm going to say my pick is it's going to be a close one. Air force is going to win, but it's going to be, it's low scoring. I'm, because it's 46 and a half. I think it's going to be, I think it, I'm going to go 24, 20 air force. I think it's going to be a little higher scoring than that. Okay. There's I like air. I like air force to cover though. Mm-hmm. I got the Falcons winning 35 to 28. Okay. This is going to be a good. One. It's going to be defensive. Here is going to be a game where there's a lot of defense and offense too. Cause you'll exactly. see air force break off a big run. You'll see maybe Sean Chambers or Xavier. We barely mentioned Xavier Valley. Like this might be a game where both running backs just go crazy, just because of how good they are. All right, next game exactly. New Mexico at San Diego State, twenty fifth ranked San Diego State Aztecs. We mentioned at home, 
Matt, it's an FS1 game. How did that happen? How did how did, uh, how did how did they escape the official home of, of, I know, of San Diego State football? I don't know how that happened. It is a six p.m. kick, so not super late. Um, they host in Mexico, who ugh, not doing great. Nineteen and a half point favorite. Yet it's a forty-two and a half over under, meaning it's going to be the uh, chokehold of a victory possibly for San Diego State. That's what they're predicting to win like thirty to ten or something, thirty-one to eleven, <laughs> something like yeah, that. Yeah, the, the the Lobos haven't been trending in the right direction. And I mean, a lot of that has to do with their struggles on offense in particular. Just, you know, just in terms, like it said, it doesn't really matter how you slice it. Like, you know, Terry Wilson has struggled. And I think a lot of that owes to the fact that they really struggled mightily to generate a running game. I think, you know, like Aaron Aaron Dumas and and Bobby Cole have flashed, but, you know, that duel hasn't really given them enough, I would say. No, they totally haven't. Um, that's what they need to do. Like Terry Wilson looked okay versus like Houston Baptist. It's like, mm-hmm. come on, I want to see you do something against a good team, a decent team. And so that's a problem. One thing we should note, Jordan Brookshire should be back in this game. Greg Bell should be, I don't know if he ever left, but it says expected back. Did he not play last game or something? Did I miss something about Greg yeah, Bell? Yeah, he, he, uh, he got hurt early against Tosin. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, I'm like, wait, and, I remember something. And, and and the Aztecs legion of other running backs keep, you know, picked him up, and maybe that's and why we barely not, dis- not much <laughs> barely discussed. And, and that and that you know is is something like if I'm an Aztecs fan, I want to see more of that because you know we've seen all of these guys in the backfield for like what two or three years now. You know your 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 Chance Bells and your Kagan Williamses and your and your Jordan Birds. And they've been okay. Like we've we've known that all of you guys have talent. But, you know, there were plenty of times last year where, you know, when Bell went down, you know, nobody really, you know, found a way to pick, to pick up the slack. You know, and not, and not to say that it's all on the running backs. You know, there were some offensive line issues as well. But, you know, like, you know, the offensive line has been playing at a high level. You know, all those guys behind Greg Bell. We didn't even mention Jalen Armstead in that mix. Um, he's been getting a lot more run recently. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, if, if I'm San Diego State, I want to see more of that. I want to see more of my offensive line dominating against a defensive front that, you know, they've, they've definitely been pushed around. But, you know, we saw last week with Joey Noble getting out there and hustling and grinding. Uh, you know, he had 18 tackles last week against Air Force, and he's been pretty good about, you know, being disruptive. You know, he's one of those, you know, guys where you, you, you look at the leaderboards for, like, tackles for loss, and you're like, you know, how is he the guy that has you know more tackles for loss than anybody in the conference except Aaron Mosby at Fresno State? You know, eight and a half TFLs altogether. So you know he's a guy up front who can wreak a lot of havoc, and and I suspect he is probably the main reason. Like when you look at liners per carry, New Mexico is somehow twentieth nationally on defense and twentieth nationally in terms of stop rate. I think that's probably more on, on Noble in particular than, than something that is reflective of a, of a strong team effort. And so I think if I'm San Diego State, you know, I see an opportunity, to just like, like we just talked about with Air Force a minute ago, to do more of the same against a defense that has, has proven it can give a lot of ground. No, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, give up a lot. You're being kind of a lot of ground, right? <laughs> Yeah, like let's put it this way: Noble has eight and a half tackles for loss. The next three guys <laughs> on the leaderboard for the Lobos have nine and a half tackles for loss combined. Oh man! Um, so, so that that is an this is a situation where I would imagine that where I would say that 
the numbers lie to you a little bit if you don't have the appropriate context. True. So also we should mention Jordan Brookshire looks to be back as well. Yeah. Help. Yeah, you mentioned that, I believe. Uh, I barely, yeah, I, we just, you start going off from running backs and everything, which is fine. But Brookshire should be back. But the running game, like you mentioned, just my little thought on that, it's been a couple of years since they've had a really go-to backup because Rashard Penny, Donald Pumphrey, when Greg Bell was like number three running, runner a couple of years ago, maybe they mm-hmm. finally figured that out. But they're like New Mexico, like you mentioned with um, Bobby Cole running the ball, Terry Wilson, what you mentioned about the Aztecs defense, they're like, there's literally. I don't see a path for victory for New Mexico. Sorry. Like, I know there's a little bit of stuff like Rocky Long's coming back, playing against his old team, he coached and all that stuff, but I don't no, – there's no, no, there's not a way they can win the game. Like, they're not going to stop Greg Bell. Unless unless somehow that miraculously the running game doesn't get going and they've Jordan Brooks rushed 30 times, even then I'll probably still pick the Aztecs to win the game. I don't see what Lobos have that can dent the defense or – move point, get points, or even slow down what Greg Bell does. They're still I mean, years away. I think it's going to come by just creating breaks, to be honest, like, you know, creating turnovers, which, yeah. you know, we, we just spent, we spent a lot of time talking about how, how New Mexico has looked rough, but like yeah. they're right around like the league average in terms of like total takeaways, for example, you know, they've, they've generated seven in five games, which is not bad. That's, that's actually as many as the Aztecs have, have created for themselves. And so, you know, you look at that and you, and you see that, like, you know, Noble's been sort of that impact player who can make that kind of play. And, you know, if that defensive front can find ways for, you know, the secondary to come up and get their hands on balls, you know, Dante Martin's been you know, solid. Jared Greed II's been solid. Tavian Combs has, you know, flat around and made a bunch of tackles. So, like, there's... Sort of like a, a a scenario, I would say, where like if they can force San Diego State to throw more often than they want to, like if they can force a lot of third and longs, for example, you know that's the kind of game where you know even if they can't, you know, create turnovers, if they can at least make it into a field position game and give themselves a chance to you know try and steal it later on or something like that. But again, I don't I don't think that's the most likely path to victory. I just think like, you know, if they can do that, if they can force third and longs, even third and mids, you know, San Diego State's a, a team that's been, you know, very effective, I would say, overall in terms of like third and fourth down success rate. Um or actually I, I take that back. I was looking at the wrong map. Oh. I was looking at offense versus defense, not defense gotcha. versus offense. But you know, to that point, the Aztecs on offense are 117th nationally on third and fourth down success rate. Oh boy. By comparison, New Mexico is 123rd on, on, on offense itself. So this is the kind of game where, you know, if both offenses get bogged down, maybe New Mexico can make something happen. Big if, big if though. Big if. They're, like, this is a game where it's, unless San Diego State is kind and just wins like 28 to 3, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. What what did the advance numbers say? Because it's a tw- basically a twenty point line. There's not much. What do you get to say about this game? Aztecs run it, run it crazy. Mexico can't stop. We've already gone through all that type of stuff. Yeah, like I said, if the if the Aztecs assert themselves the way that they want to, it's like I said, if New Mexico can stop the run, then I think it opens up a little bit. You know, some possibilities of an upset bid. But if they can't, you know, if, if Noble can't get help, then it could just it could just be a long day for the Lobos. So what is like um, FEI and all that stuff? So, F- so FEI favors the Aztecs by 21.1. Uh, 
Uh, SP Plus also favors a big San Diego State victory, 20.9 points. That's an 89% web probability. And our guy Parker Fleming, 96.6% win probability, uh, a roughly uh, 26-point projected win margin. So what do you say? What's your score prediction and all that? Yeah, I mean, I think the Aztecs are probably going to win this one pretty comfortably. Um, maybe not the most exciting game in the world, but it's going to be a very workman-like 35-10 to 10 win. Yeah, everybody says they're going to win and cover except for two people, which is fine. It's okay. People can have their differing opinions. They're wrong in this case, but huh. <laughs> I'm going to go 30 to 10. They'll just barely cover. All right. Like they don't need to score the points. It'll be, they'll get out to a decent lead and then the backups or whoever come in, maybe kick a field goal or just kind of grind it out and score a touchdown by running. So final game of the weekend. Again, New Mexico State. What is this? Affiliate member of the Mountain West going to Reno to play Nevada. This is even more of a considered potential blowout. 30 and a half point favorite for the um, Wolfpack at home. CBS Sports Network, seven thirty Pacific out there in Reno. Um, I think I think they I think the Aggies just added their game notes to College Press Box like five minutes ago. Thursday night. <laughs> not, not 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 a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> like we've talked about this team a lot, and the and both teams obviously. But the Mex- what is this? The fourth time they played the Mountain West team. They played San Diego oh, State, so they, New Mexico, they... Hawaii, San Jose State. Yeah, they also play Nevada, Hawaii again. They play Utah State. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, this team is... It's, it's the gamut. It's, you're independent, you do what you gotta do, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. And so, what do you want to see out of Nevada in this game compared to the last week? When they beat Boise State, come off a big victory, first time they beat them on the blue in, what, 20 years or something? 27 mm-hmm. years? What can Nevada do to follow up the performance? I think, I'll answer real quick, I just want them to have a consistent running game, because Toa Tau hasn't always had that. And New Mexico State doesn't have a great running game. They have Juan Price, but mm, I kind of want to see the running game have another game. The offense and defensive line have another big game, essentially. They're running offense and rushing defense. That's what I kind of want to see where Nevada's like, okay, you figured a few things out if you can do that consecutively. I mean, I want to see more of that strong Nevada defensive performance that we saw last week because you know what we just talked about with the Aggies in the recap against San Jose State you know, New Mexico State, under the right circumstances, can make some noise. Like they, they. It seems like they've kind of, sort of settled the quarterback situation. Jonah Johnson, you know, had a had a nice game against the Spartans after struggling really early on. You know, they've got you know at least a functional running game with Omari Samuels and Juwan Price. Yeah, like functional. Yeah. The, the defense isn't great, but you know, like when it comes to this New Mexico State offense. Like, it's getting slightly better, even if it's still probably below average overall. And so you look at last week's performance against the Broncos, how they were able to get in Hank Bachmeyer's face, how they were able to, you know, keep the running game from from really getting the gears going. But, you know, you look at the season as a whole, and, and again, we're still talking about only the games that they played against FBS competition, mind you. But Nevada is still 106th nationally in terms of defensive points per drive allowed. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, it's sort of skewed towards short fields and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I want to see them just kind of can pick up where they left off on that side of the ball more than anything. Because I think if they can do that, then, you know, the offense, I would imagine, is probably more than capable of picking apart the Aggies defense. I think it doesn't matter. They're going to regardless, right? Mm-hmm. Like this, it's, it's a game that's going to be a blowout. There's, like, make. 
I just want to see New Mexico. New Mexico State's not going to do much. I agree with you. I want the defensive another strong performance. I would like to see maybe another passer emerge because Elijah Cooks is out. See how that passing game goes, but it'll be fine. And I still, I just want to see a game where they win comfortably and have very few mistakes. Just because you want, we thought the Valley. Like, remember, like I figured they could win the conference. They still can, but they had one loss already, which is fine. To Kansas State, they're undefeated in the conference. Oh no, they haven't even played conference game. Excuse me. They're no, jeez, my freaking website I've opened didn't show their conference win Boise State as I just mentioned. But point being, I want them to have another good game because the Cal game wasn't all that great. Kansas State was bad. Boise State was good. If you're playing a bad team, I want to see if Nevada's going to restore people's confidence, like mine, a little bit, where they can just have a big win, like thirty-five to three or something big like that, where it's an easy, convincing victory. They play play well everywhere. Then they get ready for a Hawaii team who they've lost back-to-back games against. So that's where I kind of want to see them just play a not near-perfect game, but don't have any dumb mistakes and don't let New Mexico State do anything against you that they shouldn't be able to do. Like, yeah, they can run the ball. No, I get that. Passing, I'm definitely on board with you on that. Passing game, Mexico State's not very good. Like, they're just not a good team. They're 1-5 for a reason. There's 97% chance they're going to win by FPI. So I just want Nevada to come out there and play a good game. Like, do what he did against Idaho State. Do something like that. That's what the New Mexico State Aggies game and team – it's kind of in that same neighborhood almost. I think you basically just took all my talking points. There you go. Good. We're done. <laughs> Fine. Peace out. <laughs> well, so should we just skip ahead to the projections then? Might as well. Yeah, there's not much to say. It's like just have them play a really good game. That's when they play a bad opponent. Sum it down to So, uh, so uh, FEI um, favors the Wolfpack by 20.2. That's it? Only 20? Uh, <laughs> uh, SP Plus, I think, has Nevada, if I'm not mistaken, is the biggest favorite. Actually, you know what? They're like the third biggest favorite. Somehow, Florida's is favored by Vanderbilt by 42 points by SP Plus. <laughs> but that's for another podcast. Um, the, Wolf, <laughs> the Wolfpack are favored by 27.4, though, which is a 94% win probability. Uh, and according to our guy Parker Fleming, 98.23% win probability. They forecast a, a final projected margin is roughly 40 to 11. So I think that's what... Uh, 29 points altogether. How is the over-under set at 63 freaking points? 63. I, th- I would imagine it's probably because they're expecting a little bit of a shootout. You think New Mexico State can do that? By what what measure? They barely run the ball. Passing game's not good. What shoot? Like 40 to 20? Like 45-20? What are they thinking here? I mean, I think I think this seems like the kind of game where like there's it's going to be a bad beat because the, the Wolfpack lets up in garbage time. Let's put it that way. I could see. Like, oh, I mean, the like, over under. What, what, like, what's the what's the what's the spread again? Thirty and a half. Thirty and a half. Yeah, this this seems like the kind of game where like New Mexico State's going to score a garbage time touchdown and make a lot of people mad. I totally see that. I just think the over under is too high. Like, take the under man, right? Sixty three. Like, it's not going to be a. 40 to, like, um, what would it be? 40 to 10, like, 50 to 10? I'm like, or no, 50 to 20? What am I getting? 45-25 or something? 45-20? 40, what, are, what am I math wrong? 45-15? No way. That's, take the under. Like, Nevada's not going to, here's the thing, there's no need for it to be 60, 63 points because Nevada's not going to be able to, not going to, they're not going to want to or need to put up, say, 45 of their own. Now, watch it Watch it be a 49 to 20 game just to yeah. spite everybody. <laughs> 49 to 20. Exactly, which would get it because it's sixty three. That's yeah. What so? What do you think? What's your so that that's that's gonna be my prediction. Forty nine to twenty. Forty nine. That they'll cover for. Nevada wins comfortably. Nevada wins comfortably. Vegas is happy, and a lot of betters are unhappy. 
Oh, so you're taking the over and then the cover. I see. And then Mexico City yeah. cover. Oh, I see. I was like, wait a minute. That's not the number that we we're discussing. Um, no, I'm, ta- I'm taking the points, but I'm taking Nevada to win big. I'm taking the, Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. New Mexico State's going to cover because 30 and a half is going to be like a 28-point game. So I will go uh, 40 to 14, 26. All right, then. So just under and those two points. My math at the end is like, wait, what are we doing? How are we discussing this? What's going on? All right, that's it for our show this week. Uh, we are going through the six games of Mountain Most Play. MW- Five. Why do I want an extra game? What am I doing? I, I think you, you know what you're thinking. You're kids because you know what it's week six. That's what you're ah thinking. week six, and there's usually like a Friday night game too, right? It's usually game Friday, like five, yeah. five Saturday games. So it's all Saturday. So spread your day out nicely. Starts in early afternoon, goes to a re- sort of a late night kick with that seven thirty Pacific time at Reno. But uh, yeah, check out the website mwr.com. We'll have all of our previews, betting stuff for our buddy Josh. All sorts of stuff up there. And just be ready for this weekend and follow us on Twitter because Matt does a great job doing MWC Wire on Twitter about everything, highlights, all that fun stuff. And we'll be back uh, Sunday to recap five games, right? Is that correct? Five games? Five games, yes. Five games we'll get to this weekend. 